Welcome to Grown Up. I'm Avery Moorclaw, still over here trying to become a grown up and interviewing people along the way. This is episode two of our international tour of Grown Up, and I'm bringing you the second of two episodes from New Zealand. I'm grown up, all I wanted was to be a grown up. Now I'm grown up. Last episode, I played you the national anthem of New Zealand, and today I bring you the unofficial second national anthem of New Zealand. Birdsong captured in the foothills at dusk. There's nothing quite like it. On our last episode, you heard a Canadian interviewing a Kiwi in Christchurch. And in this episode, you'll hear a Canadian interviewing a Canadian in Christchurch. Our guest today also marks the completion of a promise I made to you in the preview for this very podcast. Need a reminder? Can you actually make a full-time living working as a clown? Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I haven't booked the clown interview yet, but it's coming. I promise. And guess what? It's here. Apparently, New Zealand is a magical land where dreams come true because it only took a couple of degrees of separation from our family here in Christchurch to find me a full-time clown. Actually, a Canadian-born, now-Kiwi-living full-time clown. Chris Caro, also known as Carrot the Clown, has been a full-time clown and performer almost his entire career. From his childhood in East Vancouver to a road trip to Colorado where he was introduced to busking, to finding the answer to the question, how many clowns can you fit in one bus? All the way to the trip of a lifetime to New Zealand where he met his wife Lisa. Oddly enough, also a clown. Now Chris and Lisa perform as the duo Carrot and Pickle, and they run a circus school together in Christchurch. and pickle chris and lisa are bright and colorful in their handmade costumes chris with big orange clown shoes graying curly hair sticking out from under his orange bowler hat and carrot decals on a blue jacket lisa is in vibrant yellow and red with green pickles adorning her outfit and of course both in red noses what you won't see on carrot and pickle is big white clown face makeup that's something chris says they've cut out in the past few years Out of costume, Chris is casual. A flannel shirt, a ball cap, taming his tangle of curls and kind blue eyes. He's jovial but subdued, not over the top. Why don't I just let him introduce himself? Hi, my name is Chris Caro and I'm a professional clown. I do shows for kids and for adults. I teach circus classes, I travel around a little bit, and help people to laugh. Can you tell me about your duo? Yeah, we call ourselves Carrot and Pickle, and I'm called Carrot because it's a funny-sounding vegetable. And if you ask anybody, when you're not listening to this program, to name the first vegetable that they think about, They'll say carrot 90% of the time. 
What would you have said you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, at eight or ten, probably, I was similar to a lot of kids. You know, fireman was kind of cool, and I think it changed as I got a bit older. But that's kind of what I thought at the time. That was the exciting job. By the time I, I lived through some of my life, I started seeing that firefighting wasn't going to be the thing. But I did really like the idea of doing something that was for people. This weight, I know I'm going to have to train it. Jacket, stay there. Stay. Stay. That's probably why I'm doing clown, of all things, because I get a chance to be creative and, and create things, and be, I get a chance to interact with people, and I get a chance to hear people laugh, and I get a chance to to just have fun. What a good jacket! It's a good. You're a good jacket. You're a good jacket. <laughs> And now, a segment I call a 30-second history of the job. A segment that is also a lie. It takes me about five times that long to get this done. So, clowns. It's actually quite difficult to find sources online about the history of clowns like Carrot. And by that I mean fun, loving, friendly clowns. And one of the reasons for that is that the history and psychology of creepy or scary clowns dominates search results of today. And though this is part of the history of clowning, I'm going to focus here on the more positive side of clowns. And then later, Chris and I will tackle the other. Although officially the word clown isn't used as a common term before the 16th century, clowns have had their history rooted in the fools and buffoons appointed by royal figures to entertain as far back as ancient Egypt. Ancient Greek and Roman leaders were also employers of these specialized entertainers who would perform in plays and offer satirical commentary on current events. Skip forward to the Middle Ages and court jesters keep their tradition alive as professional performers hired by royalty to take jabs at, well, royalty. The modern-day clown, though, is more closely related to the Zanny character that was featured in the early modern Commedia dell'arte from Italy, a character based on those, quote, rustic fool characters from Greek and Roman theater. The English word for clown was first recorded in 1560, meaning rustic boar or peasant. There's some debate over the origin of the word, but some reference a Scandinavian word for clumsy. By the early 1800s, a man named Joseph Grimaldi, an English actor, lays down the foundation for the white-faced, huge-smile clowns we think of today. Actually, clowns in England are still sometimes called Joey for that reason. He invented the white-faced clown with colorful clothes that we think of now in North America as the typical clown. Fun fact, before his death, he actually died at age 60, worn out from traveling and performing across England and Europe. He wrote his memoirs, which were later edited by none other than Charles Dickens. Hop on over to North America and clowns take on a tramp or hobo persona as the Great Depression arrives in the 1920s, and clowning is used by Emmett Kelly and Charlie Chaplin and others as a storytelling tool. Some famous clowns to note through North American history are Red Skelton's Dodo the Clown from the movie The Clown in 1953, 
Bozo the Clown, who had his own nationally televised cable show by the 1970s. And of course, the world's most well-known clown, Ronald McDonald, who was actually originally played by Willard Scott, who also played Bozo the Clown from 1959 to 1963. As the popularity of clowns as modern-day performers increased, so did the number of clowns, performing for children and adults at parties and festivals across the planet. One of those clowns is Chris Caro. Please enjoy our conversation about his career in clowning and his relationship with the character he created, Carrot. Chris, I really appreciate you having me and for agreeing to be on Grown Up because um, interviewing a clown has been on my podcast bucket list. Great. Well, here I am. I'm the clown you're interviewing. <laughs> Welcome. Now, uh, right off the hop, are there any clown misconceptions that you'd like to dispel? Or or what do people ask you about being a clown that, that you hear the most that, that kind of grinds your gears, maybe? Okay, there's two different things. Some people say, what's your real job? And that kind of gets me once in a while. But I kind of go, that's okay. Uh, they just don't understand what it is that I do. And the other thing is the scary clowns, which is only something that's happened probably in the since Stephen King, probably, the author. There never used to be this sort of scary killer sort of clown thing. And now there's some kids that are, that are around that come up and they go, oh, I'm scared of clowns, I'm scared of clowns. But that's not what clowning is about. Clowning is about um, sharing joy, I guess. It's one of the things. I guess if people are asking you what's your real job, they're not assuming that clowning can be a full-time job. Is clowning a full-time job for you? Clowning is a full-time job. And I think the difference between here, say, in New Zealand, where I am now, and even in North America, in Canada, where I'm from originally, that clown isn't looked at as a, as a legitimate kind of career. But if you go to Europe and you see clown and mime and stuff like that over there, it's it's revered. They stop and they go, whoa, these are professional people. These are people that do this for a living. Uh, it's funny that we tend to look at it as something extra. And there are a lot of people that try it out. That's true, too. So people will go, oh, I'll just put on a red nose and I'll put on some big shoes and some makeup, and then I'll just be stupid, and then everyone will think I'm a clown. But clowning takes a lot of work in order to get good at it, and it takes energy and it takes the desire to do that so it's actually a choice of a career really so two questions there one is what do you think has made the difference in places that aren't europe that maybe aren't seeing clowns with the with the same bravado that they might you know what's made the difference in somewhere like north america where they they are seeing clowns in a different purview there's a lot of stuff about history of clowns and where clowns come from and how clowns are but Really briefly, clowning is sort of one of these things that's happened for thousands of years. All kinds of cultures have had clown, various different kinds of clown, but at the same time, clown. Some way to look at yourself, because clowns sometimes do a comic way of looking at yourself. You know, a clown will make a silly face or a clown will do something that you think you're doing that no one else is doing. So... In North America, for example, clown comes from circus more. That's what it started with. And so then you have the circus clowns, the big, the big um, stupid clowns and, and the, the in-control clowns. They call them neat white faces or the august or the stupid clown. And they're always in duos. There's usually two of them. And in North America, that's the kind of clown that seems to be, that gets exemplified or that gets put out. 
there are people that are doing slightly different things and then then clown if you want to look at it as a <laughs> as uh as a, a specific thing, you could you'd have to break it down into a lot of areas. Like there's comedians mm-hmm. and stand-up comedies, stand-up comedians, and you could say that they're clowns in a way too. For sure. But uh, to be a clown and get, uh, I guess, get made up and get into funny costumes and stuff like that, you sort of have a niche or a way of doing it that's different than a stand-up comedian, say, for example, that's going to get up there and tell jokes. The secondary question to that was, you know, talking about, training and i know that in through your circus trust you're you're training other people but how did you train to be a clown was there any sort of like formal training that you did or was it years and years of practice some of each i started kind of like as a street performer and that was almost accidental that was in colorado actually years ago we started doing some silly things and we learned a couple of songs and someone had a guitar and we started playing and we happened to be standing on the street and i uh an evening theater broke up and all these people came out and we were just kind of joking around and then people started putting money in our <laughs> guitar case and we went, oh, this is great. And then then I went to a theater school. I went to an acting school, so I was trying to be an actor. Okay, so is this right out of high school that you go to a theater school? Or, or maybe let's back up a little and say, at what point do you move from firefighter into, you know, looking towards the future of what you want to do for a living? Okay, so firefighter is kind of an idea for the eight-year-old that you described. And that's just because I think firefighting, especially because the ambulance goes by or the fire truck goes by and it's red and it's got blinking lights. So it's kind of like a parade. It's big, it's flashy, and so it's kind of alluring. I think what happened for me was I, as in when I was in high school, I started I started enjoying, I guess in a way I was sort of a class clown a little bit in that I liked the attention. And that had its good points and its bad points, but that's all right. And then I went to a, I did a course to be a radio announcer. And that was cool. interesting because I thought, oh, I really liked what they called free form radio announcing which isn't what they do now it used to be a style of radio announcers where the where the guy would have a list of songs and music he was going to play but then he'd improvise radio was attractive to you yeah i did a a dj course and it was really interesting and that was good but then um a friend of mine wanted to be a clown while he was talking about the Barnum and Bailey Clown School in Florida. And he wanted to go there. And we and we were working way up north in Canada, and we decided that we were going to go. So we got in this truck, and we started traveling. We traveled from northern Alberta all the way down to Colorado. And we got to this little tiny town called Greeley, and, which is a, just a college town down there. And we, and we met this clown guy called Joey, the world's largest midget. And he was about six foot two, but he was the world's largest (laughs) midget. And he was going to do a clown show. And Alan, this friend of mine, he said, he asked us if we wanted to do it with him. So we did. And that was the first time when we kind of got made up and got some costumes that this guy's wife helped us find. And and that was the first, that was the beginning. Can you remember what that feeling is? Like this feeling where you try something you never tried before and it just kind of clicks or or what's you know how are you feeling uh, in your first in your first time you know trying on the the clown suit if you will well we 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 had to get psyched up because it was scary <laughs> and i think we planned we planned a few things so we knew what we were going to do and that was good because if we didn't it would have been more scary 
And then we had pretty good response. People liked it. So we thought, well, this is all right. And I guess what happened from there was we just decided to do something. And we formed something called the Wackachoo Review, which is a, it was actually based on a puppet. We were going to do this puppet show thing, but we never made the puppets. And we just created this really weird street sort of clowny act. And we got a school bus and traveled around the southwestern United States. So how many clowns in the school bus? Uh, There's seven of us at this point. In this crew? Yeah. Wow. It sounds like you've been full-time clown for much of the time that you've been working as a clown. Is that is that yeah, fair? Yeah, that's fair, Cole. I mean, this was this was quite a few years ago. This was this was would have been in the late 70s and we had a school bus and we traveled around and we had a piano in the back of our bus and we'd get these big football player kind of guys out in the street and we'd coerce them to take the piano off the back of the bus and they'd <laughs> put it on the street and then we'd zip away and the piano player would start playing and then we'd come and do the show on the street. It was really interesting, and there was it was challenging and fun and and creative and uh, just exciting, really. Is it rare to have such a long career working full time as a clown? Is that a rare thing, or or would you say most people in your craft are are have been able to do that? I think if you find something that you really like, no matter what kind of job it is, that that if it's something that really appeals to you, then then you do it. And I think clowning, well, clowning is really, it's its kind of on the outside, right? You wouldn't say that it's a normal career. So, but for me, it's something that really clicked with me. Like, I like the idea of being in front of people. I like the idea of, of, of you know, people going, wow, you know, this is interesting and crazy and bizarre and, and he's funny. That That makes me feel good. And also, I think... From my perspective, anyways, if I can see people sort of cheering up a bit, because sometimes you see people aren't very happy, that that's really a bonus. You know, that's what it's part of the fun, part of the job. It kind of sound like, sounds like that's the majority of the payoff, right? This being able to make someone laugh and, and see actually see the joy you're spreading. Yeah, well, I mean, you go see any kind of a performer or comic performer and you want to be affected in some way i think you do i think we do as humans we want to be affected we want to we want to have something change we want to if we go out to go even if we go see a movie or we go see we want to we want to come and go oh that was an interesting experience it took away from my normal whatever i do in my daily life so as a clown we get hired to do stuff and we go there and we get set up and we do these shows and people go, Oh, that was great. And you know, kids are hugging you and people are saying that was a great show. Thank you very much. And, and so it makes a difference. And because it makes a difference, that's the difference. I guess that's probably the easiest way to say it. Uh, it's gotta be good. Was your name always carrot when you're like, when you're in the crew on the bus, is your name carrot no, or no, what's your name? I was then? on the crew on the bus. Um, I used to be called, now, this is a funny thing. So there was a detergent called Ajax, and then there was another detergent called Comet. So this is way back. And so Ajax was this other clown guy that I hung out with, and I was Comet because he was Ajax. But he was Ajax as an E-H, like A, like Canada A. So anyways. And then when I came to New Zealand, I was Bodo. I, I, perform, I performed in Expo in 1986 in Vancouver, and I was... Um, my character was called Bodo, and I performed with another guy back there called Umo. And then when I came to New Zealand, my first clown was 
Bodo and I and Lisa when I met her. She was Blossom. And then we reinvented ourselves to become Carrot and Pickle. Okay, so how do you how do you end up in New Zealand? I guess one my one of my questions was going to, was going to be does Lisa become before New Zealand or does Lisa come after New Zealand? But I think the answer yeah. you was worked in. But how do you so you start you grow up in East Vancouver, you end up in Colorado on a bus full of clowns. Yeah, hippies and clowns, yeah. Hippie clowns. Yeah. Hippie clowns, yeah. The both. And how how do you end up in New Zealand of all places? You used to be able to buy uh, a South Pacific ticket on the airplane. It would cost $1,000, and it was a good for a year. So this is back in the day when I don't think you could do this anymore. So as long as you move forward on your one-year one, on one ticket, you could go anywhere you wanted in the Pacific. So you needed to go in a forward circle. So I went from Vancouver to Hawaii and spent a month in, in Hawaii on the Big Island and just sort of looked around and had a friend there. So we just went camping and just hung around. And then I always wanted to go to Fiji. And when I went to Fiji, I spent six months in Fiji. And I started sort of, I was clowning a little bit more in Fiji and playing because I went to villages and did different things like that. And so that was kind of interesting. And then I went to Australia and spent six months in Australia and uh, again started getting jobs. As soon as someone hears your clown, they go, oh, we have a job for you. You can come and do a show for us. <laughs> so, I, okay, I didn't really want to, but yeah, here I am. And then I came to New Zealand and I visited this friend of mine in Nelson, which is a town um, north of in. I've heard of it. Yeah. And then from Nelson, he sent a letter to Lisa saying, because this is back before internet, he actually sent her a letter saying, oh, I've got this friend who's come. You should, he's coming to Christchurch. You should connect with him. So she did. And she said, oh, you seem like the kind of guy I want to hang out with. So we hung out. And now, 30 years later, we're still hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> so you met because you were clowns. Uh, I, yeah, I get, that's probably right. Yeah, I met. I was a clown and I was coming through and she was clowning, but she was still trying it out. And so then we decided to do shows together. Right away you decided to do shows together? Um, like is before you're a couple, you're doing shows together? Um, well, we were hanging out for a couple of months and then um, there was this job that came up with what was the Crippled Children's Society. And they had a, sh- a puppet show that was Banraku style, which is puppets like that you work their mouths, but they stand on tables and stuff. And it was about disability. So it was a disability awareness show with puppets. And we got this job together. And then after almost a year, we were together and we were living together, more or less. And then I had to get my visa fixed and all that stuff. And then we ended up getting married. And so um, at what point do you become carrot and pickle? Does that does that take a while or does it start so right from the, the beginning? First, in the first year, we did Bodo and Blossom, and we and it was just kind of working it out. And then, it's I don't actually have the memory of why we cha- we totally changed, but I know that Lisa Pickle is kind of an interesting thing because she likes pickles. She likes sort of that pickly, vinegary kind of food that she likes that. And Carrot is kind of like, my last name's Caro, so it was easy to change that to Carrot. And like I said, Carrot is, is a vegetable that uh, that is, you know, you don't call yourself broccoli because it's not, not people, <laughs> you don't call yourself Brussels sprout because uh, you don't call yourself cabbage because who wants to be a cabbage? But you could call yourself Carrot because it's, you know, it's an upstanding vegetable. So, yeah. and a vegetable, and it's orange, it's a nice color, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so... 
Can you tell me a little bit about how your personality connects to the persona of the clown that you play? Is are you is it is it you or is it you putting on the specific persona that you've decided upon? How does that work? Okay, there's some of each there. Basically, if you want to be a clown, you have to want to be not invisible. Okay, I'm trying to describe what I mean by that. Clown is not invisible. If you're dressed as a clown, whether you're someone pretending to be a clown or whether or not you've actually invested time and energy into being a clown, someone's going to see you and they're going to be there. You can't sneak across a room and not, you know, you can't just sort of sit down in a chair and hope that nobody notices you because you're noticed. So the first thing about clown is that you have to be aware that you're not going to be invisible. And you have to like that. And you have, so you, so what is it? It's, you have to be extroverted enough so that you don't mind people looking at you. And you have to be willing to be stupid or foolish. Foolish is a good way to describe it. Stupid is as an aspect, but foolish. A lot of people have a problem with being foolish because they mm-hmm. think it sets them out. Ah, oh, look, I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to look stupid. But for clown, that's what you, you want to be stupid. You want to be, you, you, you want to have problems with something as simple as trying to sit in a chair. The chair keeps moving or whatever it is, or you fall off the chair, whatever it is. That's part of being a clown. The clown is is the is the sort of person, I guess you could say, that has a problem trying to succeed. But they keep trying. They don't mm-hmm. get they don't give up. They keep trying. And by having problems, then you create solutions which make more problems. And that's the wonderful thing about clown. So when you put on your costume for carrot. Does it just happen naturally that you become carrot or is it is it something that you have to like, you know, there's some kind of switch you have to turn to be in character? Okay, so because I've been doing clown for a lot of years now, like 30 years plus, I think what's happened for me is that there's a place where I kind of go into it. But I mean, I can just I could be the kind of the carrot sort of person if I wanted to mm-hmm. right now. But the thing about it is, is that you put your costume on and then you kind of you kind of know that you're dressed for the occasion. It's like putting on a suit to go out, you know, I'm putting on this kind of clothes or, or you put on your wetsuit or your shorts to go to the beach. You know that there's sort of things that's going to happen that fit with that. So in clown, definitely putting on your costume helps. But when you've been doing it for a long time, then it that it's not necessarily. And there's a lot of people that have done clown and clowning for a lot of years, and they slowly but surely get rid of all those extra things. Oh, I have big shoes, but I don't need them anymore. Or I have a jacket that's too big. Well, I'll, I don't need that anymore. I'll, I'll just put on a nose. Or I won't even wear a nose. Some people do clown and they don't even wear noses mm-hmm. anymore because they know that they can create the persona or the, the thing that 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 is the clown and have you have you done that like have you because you don't wear any face makeup no is one thing i've I noticed used to, i used to. you used to so you have stripped back what you yeah. what you use we used to we used to i used to wear quite a bit of makeup back in the day um i don't have any pictures i'll dig them up later anyways can't really see them on a podcast here's a <laughs> photograph how, how does it look and just imagine me with makeup there now imagine <laughs> me without makeup here i am hello so it's changed my costume that I currently use is one that I've used for quite a few years, and I keep on getting it um, re-sewn and, and also remade and things like that. Because I guess once you found 
a way of being, if you want to call it that, or a character to, mm-hmm. to be, then, and it's working, so you want to keep that. But at the same time, we've also done other things, like last year in the Buskers Festival, we were garden gnomes, so we're, well, life-size people that are garden gnomes, although we're little people anyway, so it's sort of a part way there. And we've created different kinds of clowning to do with different things, like we've got a, a icebreaker kind of, crowd maintenance crew that goes around and tickles and massages and and does stuff for people in crowds that are getting together for a conference or something like that um we get them to meet each other and we have a hug time and we do all kinds of stuff um so we've created different kinds of characters and in in our early time together elisa and i we used to create a lot of one-off shows environmental shows shows about insect shows about that we we created all these shows we got these little contracts weren't ever much money but we'd make all the props and make all the costumes and they'd go out there and do the show and they go that one's done and then another one would come up and we'd do that and then comes to the point where you go do i really need to do that much work for 100 bucks or whatever it was you know so um now so then as the years go by and we've got three children and things have to be paid for so you come you streamline it a little bit and you get a little bit better and you find gags and sketches and bits and pieces that are going to work every time so what what did the kids think of your profession well our first son Saul is his name he he well we used to take him to the shows and we used to just nominate someone to be a babysitter and we'd say this is the babysitter would you like to babysit ours and we'd sit him down and he would watch the show and play with his toys and the babysitter would be there and then we'd thank them and that would be the end and give them an applaud and stuff like that that was Saul um Ruby that our daughter she's quite theatrical herself and she they've accepted us as clown all three of our kids have accepted us as clown and just think it's crazy but they also appreciate that it's a really unique and different kind of way of growing up so that's good um you talk about all the characters that you've been which has been your favorite can you is it is it even possible to pick one what's your what's your favorite iteration of your you know your character as a clown well i think I think nowadays um, mostly I'm Carrot the Clown, so so then that's what it's kind of easy to to put on the persona, so to speak, or to the character. It's it's easy for me to go. I'm there now, and because Lisa and I work together, sometimes we don't always work together. I still go out and do my own shows, and she goes out and does her own shows as well. So, I guess if I had to say my favorite, that's who it is right now, because that's that's basically who I am, really. Because it is, like you said, just back to backtrack a bit. There is something about, it is part of my personality. It is part of who I am. But it's kind of an extended part of, or a, a, a piece of the pizza of me is the carrot, the clown, right? So is it kind of like um, who you are passed through a filter that, you know, makes it bigger? Or what, what is it? How, how does it differ from, from who you are? Yeah, I think that you would have to say that there is, I wouldn't call it a filter, I would call it an expander. Or a magnifier, maybe? Maybe a magnifier. I mean, I may already have this way of looking at the world myself, but when you're in clown, you can enact that and just be there. And I guess if I was walking down the street as me without any clown, way of being a clown, then people would think, 
there might be something wrong with me or maybe I'd be handicapped or mentally unstable or something if I decided to just be that way. I mean, there's times when I do that anyways. I mean, I talk to people in elevators, you know, I, uh, you know, I do some crazy things sometimes, you know, just because that's what I feel like doing, you know. And um, I guess in a way I don't really care what people think. And that's part of being a clown too. But when I'm in clown, I can do those things and people will accept. Like, I mean, uh, if I'm going to a party and I get in my car and I put my nose on, people are honking their horns and waving. And it encourages them almost to become sort of clowning in themselves. You know, they're honking their horn or they're waving or they're making faces through their cars at me because it's safer. You know, they, they don't have to confront me face to face. They can see me through the car. You know, people honk their horns and wave because there's an acknowledgement that there's, I guess that there's something happening that they accept, but in a safe way. That's why the scary clown, to me, is, is quite a bizarre thing, because to make a clown scary is contrary to what clown's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Clown is about you know, kinship and friendship and, and love and um, just connecting, whereas killer clowns don't want to connect, they just want to kill. And it's only because Stephen King had this crazy idea. What's the best kind of gig? What's the what's the job that you would you know do over and over and over again? I think the best kind of gig is I like festival gigs where you go and um, you don't have to. People are already ready for something, so what you surprise the people with is what makes it special. How you do what you do, those are the kind of gigs. I I also really enjoy. Uh, uh, I mean. We do like kindergarten shows as well, and you go into a kindergarten sometimes, and it's just priceless. The kids are like totally blown away, and they don't know what to expect, and it's always brand new. The other, I think, so you know, the festival gigs are fun because you go somewhere interesting, and you're you're sort of a guest artist, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. You get to be more important, maybe, or something. And I assume there's a little bit of community in festivals, maybe. That, like, you know, it's it's more than just a one-off day. You get to meet people who are going to be there for a few days, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, if it's a bigger festival, then, then, then you get to be part of the performers. And that's kind of fun. That's kind of interesting. You may not meet all the performers, but you do get to be part of them. What's the hardest part about what you do? You have to live with yourself. And because I live with myself, I can see out of my eyes and I see I see the things that maybe work and don't work. And then I see things that I might want to achieve, but I'm not quite, I don't feel like, I guess it's that self-judgment. Am I that good yet? Am I good enough? I mean, I'm not on television and I'm not in the movies and I'm not, but I'm... Uh, I'm happy with what I'm doing, and and that's content. But there's always this "what if." I guess I guess there's "what ifs" all the time about, you know, I could have done this instead, and I would be doing this instead. Maybe that's the hard thing. I don't think that's the horrible thing. I think that's just part of the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Sometimes, I think um, it's also normal too, right? Like I, I am surprised how often I talk to, especially entrepreneurs 
who, you know, from your mind's eye, you think, wow, they're so successful and confident and all these things. And then you talk to them and they're like, oh, I didn't, you know, I failed at this and I ha- I'm not here yet. And you're always moving the goalpost, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the, I feel like one of the entrepreneur things that keeps you going, but also as you go, it makes it harder to stop and enjoy what you're doing, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, if we go there, We've actually now, now that Lisa and I have been doing shows for quite a, quite a few number of years now, that we now don't do some shows. I mean, we don't do every show that comes in, whereas we used to. Right. There was times when we would do, uh, uh, coming up to Christmas in Christchurch, we would, there would be, you know, five shows a day for you know a, a week or two and we'd be like totally exhausted but you know we were young and we had lots of energy and got to keep going you know and that's what we're going to do but nowadays you know we don't do that kind of stuff anymore we do less you know if we do a show and it happens once a week or once every two weeks or even once a month that's fine and i mean the next show that we've got is in two weeks time you know and we don't have one until then but it, it it's it's part of what happens. I guess you sort of mellow out a little bit. You don't have to try and force as many shows as you can out there. So looking forward, is there retirement for a clown? Like, is that something you could ever shelf? Or is it something that you just have to keep doing? I think, like, we're getting shows now where people are coming to us and said, oh, you did my five-year-old's, you did my birthday when I was five, and now you're doing my daughter's birthday, who's five. So we're, we've now come you know 20 years into the future and now i'm going well i'm 60 ish so does that mean i'm going to still be going to these kids birthday parties when i'm 70 and 80 and i kind of think in the back of my mind that i probably won't but at the same time lisa and i are working on some kind of um some new kind of ideas around clown uh, uh, that are sort of not, uh, I guess you'd say elderly clowns, maybe. Um, I still have, uh, it's funny, but I still feel like I'm quite capable. But Lisa gets injured quite a bit. She does a little bit more acrobatics than me. So she's she's getting a little bit more, uh, she's got sore bits and sore neck and sore back and sore knee and different things like that. And we come out of the show and she'll go, oh man, I landed funny on my ankle. And I'll go, okay. So... Uh, another week of you know massage and and stuff like that and then she comes right but um i guess the physical part of clown if you do a lot of physical stuff and we do then then that has to change a little bit Mm -hmm. um but the good thing about doing clown and being physical is that you have to be fit or fittish so that that's a good um catalyst for that i mean i just live a a few blocks from the beach as you know so i can go for a run to the beach and i'll i got a three or four kilometer run that i do you know regularly and that's and to keep my fitness up is a really really good thing so maybe that's a good thing about clown now well, it's certainly a good thing for me about clown if you think about whether they're kids or adults or whoever trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up um looking at your experience what is what is your best advice for someone about how to move forward Mm. I think look at what you like to do and if you really like the thing that you want to do whether or not you like to read books or you like to write or you like to swing on a swing outside or you like to fly airplanes or go for a swim find the thing that you really like to do and then even if that's not exactly the thing that you get to do as you go into your future make sure that you use that 
to help you make decisions about what you want to do in the future. So if if, if you like swimming, if you like going in, in a pool or, or in a lake and that you really enjoy that, then that might be your place to go. Even if you don't become a, an Olympic swimmer or anything, that might be your place to go so that you can use your imagination to be to figure out what you want to do or or even just to relax. That's great advice. My last question yeah. is, why do you keep doing this? What, what keeps reigniting the fire? You've spent, you know, the majority of your life as a clown, whether professionally or not. Why do you wake up every day and decide to keep doing this? I guess there's two different things. First of all, it's the thing that I do. So I, I'm not saying that I can't do other things like you can teach you can you can teach an old dog new tricks and i i'm willing to do some things other than what i do but because of what do they call it the the 10,000 hours or something like that i've put a lot of time and energy into um, clown and teaching clown and, and theater and and circus now I've done lots and lots of that and it is something that I see that's really valuable for humanity I think it, more people should be doing I mean there used to be this guy that I used to know and he said if we, everyone know how to juggle then everyone could just stand on the corners and juggle all the time and then there wouldn't have there wouldn't be any time for people to be upset at each other or have wars or anything because we'd just be juggling you know and I said that's a that's really that's basic but you know that's kind of what it's like you know you get out there and you see whoever it is whether it's a little tiny kid or an adult and they do something and they go I can do this and you go yeah you can you know and so it's one of those it's one of those things that for me doing clown is about connecting with people and connecting people with themselves and teaching circus is about giving people a chance to do things that they didn't necessarily think they could do and finding out that they can which gives them which then gives them a chance to try other things that they you know it opens up channels it opens up ideas it opens up imagination it's a ripple effect that Mm. moves out from yeah from you chris thank you for doing this i really appreciate this conversation and i I'm so in awe of what you do. I think it's it's such a cool profession and, and that you're bringing so much joy and happiness to the world. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Grown Up is created, recorded, and edited by me, Avery Moore-Kloss, and my company, Folktale Studio. We are on the road right now, but usually portions of this episode are recorded at one of my happy places, the Switch Podcast Studio at Wilfrid Laurier University in downtown Brantford, Ontario. To keep up to date on what's coming next, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at GrownUpPod. We'd also love to hear your interview suggestions. We like to interview regular people who do interesting work, so drop us a name or profession. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.